Welcome to the Inside Out Theory with Christy Lee Manning, a podcast for the performing artists. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Inside Out Theory. Today's episode is sponsored by House of Jazz Artist Development Program, a four-week program in London, UK, where we train your trilogy, mind, body, and soul. I truly believe it's just as important for artists to train their mindset as much as we train physically and creatively. So whether you are a new graduate or a professional artist looking to re-spark their career, we encourage you to join us as we open your mind, challenge your body, and inspire your soul. This program only happens twice a year, and it is truly life-changing. For more information, please visit houseofjazzcompany.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Inside Out Theory Podcast. My name is Christy Lee Manning, and today we are going to speak about ego. Ego, ego, ego. I feel like most of us have quite a negative connotation when I say the word ego. So I'm going to do what I do every time or, or, oh my guys, I almost said try. I'm going to, well, is it an appropriate word to say? I'm going to, um, do my best to allow the space for you to challenge what you know, which I like to do every time I speak, not because I want you to adopt my opinion, but more so because I want you to stop adopting opinions and beliefs and stories altogether. And I want you to make your own. I want you to make your own definitions, your own values, your own thoughts, your own opinions, etc. So I'm going to speak about my relationship with ego, my definition of ego. I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to share what I've come to discover about ego that resonates true for me. And I want you to take what serves you and leave what doesn't. That's all we're going to do. I feel like, I felt like today would be a good opportunity to speak about ego because I use the word so much in my discussions, but we hadn't ever actually discussed what ego means um, to me, to you, to anyone, and how, when I use it, how I'm defining it, which I think is important. So let's open up a discussion about ego. Now, my relationship or my understanding of the word ego used to be quite negative. I used to think of it as um, foundationally people that were egotistical, arrogant, entitled, thought they were the best. And what I learned was that is not entirely true. I was in an acting class, one of my, I think it was my first acting class and my first acting coach. And she said to me, Christy, you have a massive ego. And I panicked, of course, because my brain at the time went, that can't be possible. I have tried so hard my entire life to make sure that I didn't think I was the best, that I didn't think I was better than I actually was. I don't want to be that person. I'm scared of being that person. It's absolutely impossible that I have an ego. And she said, you're right. You don't think you're the best. You think you're the worst. Dramatic pause. And I went, oh my gosh, that is 100% true. So I had tried so hard to not be the person that thought she was the best, that I had actually gone in the opposite direction. And it was so self-deprecating that I thought I was the worst. 
And that is ego as well, because for me, the definition of ego is false self. So people can perceive it as the way you see yourself, um, a false perception of yourself. Um, People can define ego as that little voice in your head that says negative things to you all the time that's telling you that you're not good good enough, that's putting you down. It's actually so much more than that, which can be which can be a terrifying thought, but it's, it's actually exciting in the end. And I'll tell you why (laughs) exciting. This is when Christy says, this is going to be fun. If anyone knows me really well, when I say this is going to be fun, I truly believe it's going to be fun. And everyone else goes, Oh no, this is about to get real, real, real quick. That was a lot of reels. And we're about to be vulnerable and Christy's going to love it. And we're going to be terrified. But luckily, you're just listening to me as a voice inside your head. So you can't, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do anyways. Um, But we're getting off track, which I'm really good at. So ego is false self. Okay. Not okay. That's, I don't want to tell you. I believe my definition is false self. We have our true selves and we have our, our false selves selves. There is a part of us in, this is what I I really fundamentally believe that there is a part of every single human being that has, hmm, do I want to say it that way? There is a part of each and every single one of us that truly believes with every inch of our body that we are more than enough, that we are all love, all abundance, all giving, all loving, all the time. We don't need to do anything more. We don't need to be anything more. We don't need to have anything more. We are enough all the time. This is who we are when we're born. This is, again, what I believe. This is who we are when we're born. So entertain. I'm going to stop saying that. But I want you to, when I, when I say something, I want you to entertain it in your mind before you shut it down. Okay? Just, just allow it to entertain it. Serve it a glass of wine. See if it sticks around. Okay? This is who we are. Our true self is who we are when we're born. We are pure. We are our fullest selves. And we haven't learned anything about ourselves yet. There is a saying that goes, everything you know about yourself, you've been taught. How incredible is that? And it's true. Because when we're born... What we feel about ourselves intuitively is that we're that we're perfect. I don't really like the word perfect, but we are perfect the way we are, as in we don't need to be any more, any less. We don't need to do anything. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're sleepy, when we're tired, we sleep. When we want something, we cry. We use our voice until we learn words. Like we just were so present. There's nothing. You you look at any baby, they they are the most, they have no self-esteem issues. They haven't been taught any of that yet. When you were a child, you had no self-esteem issues. You had no problems with self-confidence. You thought you were the absolute shit. Everyone around you all the time was hopefully telling you that you were so beautiful and that you were so special and that you were so smart all the time, right? And babies know it. They're like, yeah, we're chilling. We're great. We're awesome. We don't have to do anything. We just have to lie in this little buggy or carriage or pram or whatever we call it. And people love us. Okay. So all these things that we're taught about ourselves 
we, <laughs> everything we know about ourselves, we've been taught. We learn the self-esteem issues. We learn the self-confidence issues. We are taught these things. We are not born thinking like that. We are taught in our childhood to think from a place of lack. We're not even, when we're born, we're not even aware that there is a lack. Everything's abundance. There's so much going on. You know, we're learning that we have hands. We're learning that we have feet. We're learning that our feet have toes and then we're sucking on our toes. Like it's great. So we we are taught as we grow up that there is a place of thinking from lack that there is a we we adopt and and are taught the belief that we're not enough you know we learn this from from experiences we learn it from other people we learn by example okay these are not things that we're born with everything that i am always trying to do on this podcast is to m- help you remember who you were when you were born before the word world told you who you were. This is what I want. This is my ultimate goal. We're going to get there together. Okay. So, so ego is false self versus true self. So our, this is me describing your true self, who you are before you're born, before you learn any of these ways of this ways of thinking, any definitions of yourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. This is your true self. You're more than enough all the time. You're all love. You are love. Period. Okay. Now, the false self is foundationally, I'm going to explain in a second how it's developed, but the false self is either I'm the best or I'm the worst. Neither of true. Neither of true? Mm -hmm. Neither are true. You are not better than anyone, but you are not lesser than anyone. They are both false illusions and perceptions of yourself. So if I put true self in, if there was a piece of paper in front of me and I put true self in the center, okay, I would put true self in the center. And then I would put anything outside of that circle. So let's say I draw a circle, I write true self on it. Okay. Anything outside of that circle is external and it's lack and it's ego. And at the very top of the page, I would write, I am the best. At the bottom of the page, underneath the circle of true self, I'd write out, I'm the worst. And anything around on the sides of that is a, is a mixture of the two, maybe depending, because most of us don't always live in one or the other. I think there's a, there's a, um, there's kind of a give and take of like, sometimes we can find ourselves quite entitled possibly. And then sometimes we can find ourselves, you know, extremely self-deprecating. So there's, there we're always, we're not always, but we, we quite often bounce between the two. Um, and so that's, that's to me what the definition of, of ego is. It's not just those people that think they're the shit, they're the best, they're arrogant, they're egotistical. No wonder we think that that's what ego is based on the words that we've developed, but it's also, I'm the worst. It's the extremities of two of both of those and anything in between. So let's now talk about how your ego is created. So what I've come to learn is that your ego or this false sense of self is born when you are is born when you are a child and you experience trauma. 
Now, as an adult, if we look at our our experiences as children, we might not find anything that we think or we would deem as traumatic. Because that word is quite extreme, it's quite heavy, it's quite strong, and when we when we as adults define trauma, we would think of things very differently than what a, and then how a child would think and how a child would experience things and how a child would feel. So what the mistake I don't want you to make is looking at your childhood and trying to detect as an adult what you would deem, what you would define as a traumatic experience. Try and look at it from your childhood point of view or any childhood point of view and see if you can remember how you felt because those are the moments that are traumatic. I'm sure, so I had a question on one of our Instagram lives and it made me remember two experiences. One experience was I was in elementary school, grade school, and I thought that a van was um, following me home from school. And of course, you're taught by your teachers and by your family to, you know, not get into strangers' cars and things like that. And so I, I must have been old enough to understand that kids can get kidnapped. And I was scared. I, I think I was in grade five because I was carrying home a very heavy guitar. <laughs> and I lived at the bottom of a small hill from my elementary school. So I remember thinking that this van, for whatever reason, was following me. And I remember sprinting home to make sure that the van couldn't catch me, couldn't grab me and pull me into the car. And I got home and I was huffing and puffing. And the car, I remember instantly, the car just kept driving. And I remember thinking that wasn't actually what was happening. I totally made that up in my head. I do remember that experience, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm definitely not going to say yes or no because I, I'm never going to pretend I know everything about myself and the way I think. Um, but that is an experience that I rarely remember. And when I speak about it, I don't feel anything. I remember being afraid at the time, but I don't feel anything now. Now, there was another experience that immediately came to my mind when I was asked this question. And this is this brings up something completely different. The other experience that I remember, like it was yesterday, was I think I was in grade eight and I remember asking my mom to perm my hair, okay? And she did it. She was um, a hairdresser of sorts. She she had learned how to, she dyed people's hair. Yeah, she cut our hair. I don't think she'd ever permed somebody's hair, but she permed my hair at home and did an excellent job. And I loved it. And I'd been begging her, begging her to, to I want my hair permed. And, and finally she just decided, she's like, I don't want to pay for it. So I'm going to do it myself. So she did it. She did a great job, went to school the next day. And the quote unquote, <laughs> most popular girl in school, had also permed her hair. I was horrified. And I could definitely go into this a little bit more, but I remember exactly what I was thinking. My heart went into my stomach. I felt instant panic. I remember being scared that she thought I was going... Mm, I remember thinking that she was thinking... No. I remember worrying 
that she was going to think that I was copying her. I remember being afraid that I was going to look like the girl that was trying to be popular or trying to be the like the girl that was popular. I remember being worried that her friends were going to laugh at me and think that I was pathetic. I... I just rem- I remember feeling sick. I remember instantly panicking. I remember being horrified. I think I can even see my face when I saw her. And I remember exactly where my locker was and where her locker was. And I ran to the bathroom at lunchtime and brushed my hair. Because when you brush your hair before there's, I think it's, I don't know if it's 24, 48 hours, when you first perm your hair, it doesn't stay. It doesn't take. So I remember brushing it out because I was like, I can't, I can't have this. I can't be the girl that thinks that, you know, is that everyone thinks is trying to be like this other girl in school that is the most popular girl in school or whatever. So like, there's so much here. And then I remember going home and being ashamed about what I had done that I couldn't even tell my mom the truth. So when she asked me what why I had brushed out my hair. I felt bad. I felt bad. She put all that work and all like, it took hours for her to do it. And I I felt so bad that she had spent all that time doing something that I had been nagging her to do forever. And I just, because I felt so ashamed. I was, I just told her I lied. I said, I, I just decided I didn't like it. I just decided, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like it after all. So I wonder if I've ever told her the truth. Probably. Um, And that experience brings up, not at the height of the emotions as they were then, but I can feel the panic now. I can feel the girl inside me being afraid. I can feel the embarrassment. I can feel the shame. I can feel the fear. And so that, when you, if you looked at both experiences, okay, from outside in, as an adult, you would likely, if you didn't have as much understanding, if I had maybe played it out a little bit easier, like, okay, two experiences, tell me which one's traumatic. The little kid running home from school thinking that she was being followed and was about to be kidnapped, or the um, teenager in high school that dyed her hair only to find that someone else had dyed her hair and then brushed it out. Like, which one would you choose? would be the to be the most traumatic experience. I based on that information, I would have chosen the one from grade 5 running home like of course you you all of us would automatically assume that a child is more tra- traumatized from thinking that she was going to get kidnapped than having the same hairstyle as another girl in school. But that is not how it was experienced. So this is why it's so extremely important for you to not use your adult quote unquote judgment when you're trying to understand what you experienced as a kid and what was actually traumatic for that child and what wasn't. Okay. I hope that gives a good um, foundation. So when we are children, this is, this isn't why, oh, which way can I go with this? Our egos are cre- are created in these moments of trauma to help us understand what's happening in the moment. Okay. So as human beings, we have this innate need to feel understood. We also have an innate need to understand, which is quite 
often why we experience um, emotions, okay, that when we, we relate back to the actual experience, we on a logical and slightly judgmental level can't comprehend why we feel the way we feel when we that was the experience like they don't quite match think about take a second and think about the last time or any time that you experienced something where the emotions that you felt or experienced in a result of of the experience that you had were so much higher than on a logical level matches what actually happened so the perfect example is always the experience of seeing my sister um, spill milk and burst into tears. Literally, don't cry over spilled milk. But my sister was so young when my dad passed away that she barely grieved because I bet she had very little understanding of what actually was happening. And as she grew up and realized that dad was never coming back, she started to grieve years later and would cry over the smallest, quote unquote, smallest things. Right. So anyone not understanding or not open to a conversation like this would be like, oh, you know, don't cry over spilled milk, just clean it up. But there was so much more happening there. She was grieving about something that wasn't even happening in that moment. And that's certain experiences can trigger emotions that either kind of align or don't align at all. Like, how does what does milk have to do with my dad? Well, nothing really, just all that moment was, was the fact that she had pent up, buried grief that hadn't, you know, been released and it needed to be released. Maybe her spilling milk made her feel stupid. Maybe she felt stupid that she didn't have a dad and she was one of the only girls in school that didn't have her dad anymore. And then she cried like, who knows? Right. So that's, that's trapped pain. That's possibly recycled pain that's unreleased pain that's emotions that are that are being expressed through a triggering experience okay but that is why quite often when we experience something like this quite often we want to understand why we're crying why we're so upset and if we can't come up with a logical reason as to why we're upset then we just our ego just uses that as bait as ammunition to be like you why are you crying over spilled milk that is so stupid instead of allowing yourself to just well clearly I need to heal something and I just need to cry and I don't need to understand why because I'm probably my logical brain my logical human brain probably can't actually even comprehend why I'm so upset possibly because it's used to thinking and being in line with my ego but also because it might be something so big and so deep that I, that I might, again, my human mind, which I only use, what, 10% of, can't actually understand. And I don't need to understand to heal. You don't need to understand to heal. That should be a quote. I'm going to write that down. I'm not. I'll try and remember. So, okay. So uh, hopefully you are um, resonating with this. And this is, yes, yes, okay. I've experienced this. So then when you so this is this is us explaining why we feel like we need we have a need to understand and we have that when we're kids too so going back to our childhoods when we experience something traumatic first of all i don't think anyone in the world can go through childhood without experiencing some sort of trauma there's going to be at least one mean kid 
our parents are going to make at least one mistake. There's going to be at least one misunderstanding teacher. There's going to be something and we can't be saved from it. It's just going to happen because other kids are just walking around with recycled pain from their parents who are walking around with recycled pain from their parents, which is your grandparents, you know? And so like, as a society, we could all benefit from learning how to deal with pain and understanding that a lot of it probably probably isn't ours, you know, and all that stuff. That's a whole other conversation. So, but anyway, so we can't go through, through childhood without experiencing the feeling of trauma, something traumatic. Therefore, if ego is born from trauma, we that explains why nobody in this world is void of ego. The reason that your ego is born from trauma is because it is a false sense of identity required as a child to understand the experience they are experiencing before they actually have the mental capacity to comprehend what's really happening. We experience as kids things that as adults wouldn't be traumatic. We would understand that, you know, we understand as we grow up, what, what's one of the classic things? Oh, what people say to us is more, has to do way more to do with them than it has to do with us. What people do and how they act, you know, if they write us off, if they ghost us, can you, I can't even believe that that's a word (laughs) or a saying, but I'm not going to put judgment on it. I'm going to remove that judgment. Right. But if they, if they, they reject us. I like that word better. Um, anything like that. It's, it's, you know, as our childhood subconscious goes, you must not be good enough. But as an adult, if we didn't have those beliefs in the first place, we can see, oh, well, they're clearly in pain or whatever. We can recognize that people's actions have everything to do with them and nothing to do with us. But unfortunately, that is not how we are programmed when we are children, because we experience things that feel traumatic to us, and our little brains need an answer. We need to survive. The ego is born to help us survive. That is what it's here to do. It is born to give us the understanding that we're missing from an experience, because we don't understand, because we're too young. Our brains aren't formulated yet. We haven't had enough experience yet. We don't really understand what's going on, why adults act the way they do, why other children act the way they do, okay? We were born into this world, you know, playing in the backyard, making mud pies. Like, we just, we don't, we don't understand. And so, but we need an understanding to survive this situation. So that's what our, our ego and this false sense of identity Um, It becomes a false sense of identity, but this false sense of of self, this illusion comes into play because it gives us the answer. It, It helps us survive by giving us an understanding so we can get through the pain of the experience. And we, as children, can't get through the pain of the experience if we don't understand why it happened. So our ego is born and goes, I'm going to give you an answer. But unfortunately, That's where every single story, limited belief, and illusion that we have about ourselves is born. That's when it's born. We look at all these experiences and our egos are just as unevolved as our childhood brains are. So they're not going to be able to give us 
an actual answer. They're going to give us an answer that only at their level of evolution and, and evolvement can understand. Okay. And the only thing that it can understand is us. Now, how does that work? When we're born, we discover everything with, through ourselves first. We discover that we have hands. We discover that we have feet, like we talked about. We discover that our feet have toes and our hands have fingers and we suck on them. Then we realize we have a mouth. We realize we have eyes and we can see things. We realize that we can eat things and we like certain food and we don't like certain food and things are mushy and there's people around me and things are loud and there's colors and oh my gosh, there's other people that are alive like me. Um, but everything comes back to us. We discover our bodies first, everything about us first. And then we learn how to control our environment. If I cry, I'm fed. If I cry I'm, or if I'm tired, I fall asleep. If I, if I need something, I use my voice. And before it's words, it's crying. Like everything starts with us. Okay. So that is how we see the world. We are at the center of it, not in, in an egotistical way because we haven't even developed that yet, but we just are. We are the center. We are what we discover first. And then everything else is outside of us. But we're at the center, which means everything must have to do with us. So that's how we discover ourselves and then the world and then eventually create this perception that everything starts with us. So it's no wonder why when our parents fight, for example, or maybe when our parents get divorced, we think it's our fault. Why? Well, everything has to do with us. Everything starts with us. This is how we came into the world. We discovered ourselves. This is the world around us. But everything, it must be our fault because everything's through our perception. We created, discovered ourselves and therefore everything around us. And therefore, you, our parents fighting, our parents getting divorced, our parents unhappy, our family unhappy. Well, I'm, I'm the common denominator here. So it must be my fault. And this is why I have such a problem with people using the phrase, don't take things personally. And I have a problem with it because I was told that so many times when I was growing up and I hated it. Um, I don't hate it. It's a strong word. I, I strongly dislike this phrase because now I understand where it came from. Now I understand why I was like that. But I distinctly remember my mother, bless her, saying, Christy, you take things so personally. And I'm not mad at her for saying that because I did. And we didn't have the understanding. But now that I have the understanding, I'm like, well, no wonder I fucking took things personally. I was born into a world where my dad wasn't even there. He had left before I was born. So when I was when my mom was pregnant, my father figure left for another woman who just happened to be her best friend. Okay? It's taking a long time to forgive that action. But I, as a child, as a baby, was already born into a world of rejection. My dad hadn't even stuck around to meet me. And as a child, as a baby, 
I'm not going to have any understanding that that had to do with him and his pain and his upbringing and his relationship possibly with his mother and his parents and his insecurities about not being ready to be a father, whatever. There could be so many reasons. No, I'm going to come into the world and I'm going to go, I'm not good enough because you're not here. So no wonder that I grew up taking everything so personally because that is what we do as children. When anything goes wrong, we think it's our fault. Why do we think it's our fault? Because we are what we discovered first. Therefore, we are the center of everything, and therefore it must be our fault. But we're not the center of everything thinking that we're better than everything around us. We're there thinking we're responsible for everything around us. So it's also no wonder that we grow up thinking that we're responsible for everyone else's happiness, everyone else's feelings, everyone else's joy, everyone else's choices. This is exactly my childhood and now my adult life is trying to put down the need to try and be responsible for everyone else around me being happy. Because that's what I had to do. Because that was what I was born into. Because that's the trauma I experienced as a kid. So it is no wonder that I took everything personally because I was born into an experience where I had already been rejected. I therefore immediately, of course, thought it was my fault or why would he not be here? It obviously has to do with me. I'm the common denominator here. I'm clearly not good enough or he would have stayed. And so then growing up, right, I'm already programmed in that place as kids. We're already programmed to take everything personally. So when people say, you know, oh, the world doesn't revolve around you, like, don't take it personally, it has nothing to do with you. Like, that's so, it, not inconsiderate, but it's so, it's so, it's still, it's just, it's judgmental. It's, it's another source of, 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 I don't know. I guess I'll just stick with judgmental, but it's, it's, it's lack of understanding. It's judgmental and it's lack of understanding because when people take things personally and when people constantly always think it's their fault and when people feel like they're responsible for everyone around them, to me, it's just so clear. It's like, well, no wonder. Yeah, you clearly had experiences, you know, as a child that made you feel like you had to do more, be more, it's your fault, of course, because that's how we're born. We're, this is this is just how, this is how we experience the world. And it's no wonder that when trauma happens to us, it's no wonder that the way we discovered the world, no wonder we, we then go, well, clearly this is our, our fault. It makes so much sense to me why children always think divorce is their fault, parents fighting is their fault, rejection is their fault. Of course, they're the common denominator in everything in their world. Understand? I've, I've really driven this home. So I hope I hope there's understanding or I hope you're entertaining the idea. That's what I want. So now here's the tricky thing. So our ego has created all these beliefs, stories, illusions about us and about the world that unfortunately, don't make us feel really good about ourselves at the end of the day, but they did provide an understanding that helped. That was the, that was the key. That was the thing that we needed to survive the experience. We now have an answer. We get it. We don't like it. It doesn't make us feel good, but hey, we have the answer moving on. Now 
your ego is going to look for reasons why it is still right. The ego loves to be right. Can everybody think about somebody in their lives that loves being right? They're probably also miserable because no one actually wants to be right all the time. That's their ego. Being right doesn't make you happy. And I know a lot of people that have been like that, but they want to be right because they're so in line with acting and working and thinking from their ego. They're very outside and based. So the ego loves to be right. But then I was like, I learned that because I I had experienced that. So any relationship I had, if it didn't work out, you know, automatically my ego would go see you're not lovable. This is one thing that's crazy about me and what's what's taken. No, I don't like that sentence at all. This is one thing that I that has blown my mind in my learning of ego, my personal traumas as a child, etc. And one thing that really blew my mind was when I learned I was talking to um my current fiance actually and he was learning about me and my insecurities and he was like I just don't understand how you don't think I can't remember how he put it or how I put it but basically what what the lesson was was he was trying to understand my insecurities he was trying to understand how to love me and I was trying to understand myself and what I learned was I believe that my family loves me. I believe that my friends love me. Um, but I don't believe that I'm lovable to men specifically. And that just doesn't commute, compute with some people's brains. It's like you either believe you're, you're, you're lovable or you don't. But for me, it was very specific. It was like, no, no, no. I believe I'm, I believe I'm great. I believe I'm, I'm, beautiful. I believe I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm lovable. I'm talented. I believe I have a lot to offer. I feel like I'm a, I'm a very loving partner, but I don't believe I'm, I'm, you know, and I feel like I'm a great friend. I, I'm a great teacher. I'm a great, you know, leader, whatever, but I'm not lovable to men. Well, no wonder, because again, of my experience growing up, the, the male figure was not, was non-existent, right? So, as a child, you're going to try and make up for that somehow. Right. So that, that's when it got very specific. Why was I bringing that up? Can't remember. Um, but anyway, so let's see here. Uh, yes, the need to be right. So any unsuccessful, I wouldn't even say breaking up is an unsuccess though. So I'm going to change that. Any relationship that ended, um, I would then go, okay, well, clearly I'm not good enough. And that would be my ego taking what it believed, perceived from an experience from me as a child, caring, holding on to that, looking for experiences now as an adult and going, see, you're not good enough or he would have stayed, right? So then begs the question, well, but that doesn't seem quite enough. Like, is that satisfying enough for the ego to just be right? Like, there has to be a reason why it wants to be right. And then I'm going, is that just my logical brain needing an answer? Possibly. But then I realized there is one. And the answer is the ego needs to be right. Oh, this is the, this trilogy blew my mind when I figured it out. It needs to be right because then through you, it now has permission to go, don't worry, I can help you. 
And I've talked about this before, so I won't go on too long about it. But that is the way the ego can then offer a solution. Okay. It can go, don't worry, I'll help you. If you are feeling clearly you're not good enough, see, I've given you another example why that is still true. All right. So, but don't worry. I, hey, remember when I came along in the first place? Remember when I was born? Like it was after you were born. Just remember. But hey, remember when I was born, when you were experiencing those that pain and I helped you understand why it was happening? I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you survive. I got all the answers. Don't worry. Yes, these all these things all might be true and I've proven them to be true, but don't worry. I got you. I can help you. And then it offers the solutions. What are the solutions? All kinds of overthinking, comparison, you need to be productive, you need to be motivated, you need to be doing more, you need to be accomplishing more, you are in such a place of lack, you're clearly in lack, you're not doing enough. And because if you were doing enough, and you were enough, then you wouldn't be here. So we you need to do more. You need to do more, you need to do more. So then you get into this place of this is where, okay, I can't lose my my lack. I can't lose that voice telling me that I'm not enough because then I won't be productive. What a load of shit, right? That's not actually productive. That's just keeping you in a place of lack. You will never accomplish everything in there is in the world to accomplish. And don't tell me that you think you can actually accomplish everything in your industry. Because if you work from a place of lack your entire life and you accomplish everything, There will always be one more. There will always be one more show that you didn't do, one more role, one more contract, one more award. You know, even if you win 15 Oscars, you didn't win 16. You know, like, and then let's say you you did everything in your industry, everything possible. Let's say you won the most out of everybody in the entire world. You did the most jobs out of the entire world. You've done absolutely everything. You can do everything, single style of dance, and you've won every single possible award in the entire world. It's not even, there's no, there's not nearly enough time or energy in the world for you to do that, but let's pretend you did. Then your ego would just go, can you skateboard? Can you ski? Can you ice skate? I don't know why I'm saying all things that start with S. But it'll just go, yeah, well, you're not the president. So better keep working harder because you got to get there. Like the, it, there is unlimited ammunition for the ego when you're coming from a place of lack. So you can't, I don't want to tell you what to do. We, it is extremely detrimental for you to live in that place. (laughs) That wasn't much better, but it is. So this is why my, again, my famous quote of the month is, is the same voice that brings you down can't build you back up, right? So you, it can't be trusted to build you back up because it's coming from a place of lack. The ego is the thing that created the illusion, the story, the belief in the first place, then it looked for experiences to prove itself right, which were probably not the experience in the first place. And I'm going to give you an exercise at the end of this podcast to um, give you something to challenge those beliefs and put them down once and for all. Then it goes, well, now that I've got you, let me help you. 
I'll give you a solution. And it doesn't work. And you'll just keep recycling the same trilogy over and over and over again. So that's ego. But here's the thing. This is the real reason why I wanted to have this conversation today. Because when I used to think about my ego, I would think about it as like, it was this little cartoon character. For some reason, she had freckles and red hair and pigtails and this really ugly polka dot dress. And she would just yell at me. Her face was always mean. And she was always like yapping and bitching about all these things that, and telling me all these things that I, that were bad about me and why I wasn't enough and doing enough and all this crap. She was really mean. And I... But then the more I learned about ego, the more I questioned, this is this is how I'm trying to lead by example, is by questioning what I know, okay? And I went, okay, well, I don't really like the fact that I now have a definition of ego that's quite negative, yet I also have the belief that I don't think anyone can be void of ego. And I don't think my true self would actually be in alignment if I believed that something in me that I can't ever get rid of or conquer is negative. I don't believe that we can ever be void of ego. I don't think we can conquer it because when we try and overcome it, it just gets stronger. But I do think we can choose to live and think and breathe and act from a place of true self or ego. We always have a choice. So then I was like, okay, so if I can't be void of ego if everyone in the world has ego, but I do have the choice to align myself elsewhere. But if it's not going anywhere, I'd like to have a better relationship with it than something so hateful and negative. And so then I realized, or I guess re-remembered why it was there in the first place. And why was it born in the first place? To help us survive. That's a really beautiful thing. We might not have liked the answers that it gave us, and those answers may not be true to us anymore. They weren't true then, and they're definitely not true to us now as adults. We can completely understand why those are not true to us anymore, okay? But the intention behind the action was to help us survive. And you know me, I like intention, People say actions speak louder than words. I say intention speaks louder than action. Okay. So, all right. I like your intention for trying to help me. Do I agree with all the choices you made? Definitely not. But I'm really grateful that you helped me survive these traumatic experiences that I had as a child. Thank you. So then I was overwhelmed with gratitude for my ego. And the only thing that can ever truly conquer something, if you can conquer it at all, or really help you stay in line with your true self, is to love all of you, which includes your ego. You have to love it. You have to be grateful. Practice gratitude. Thank you so much. I went through so much as a child that I did not understand, and you gave me something to understand. You gave me an answer. I am so grateful for you. Thank you. I don't agree with your answers anymore. I, But hey, empathy. I'm going to practice empathy with you. We were so young. We were so scared. We didn't understand anything that was happening around us. And you helped me through that. Thank you so much. But you know what? Ego, we don't have anything to be afraid of anymore. We're okay. We're fine. Love your ego. Be grateful for your ego. Practice empathy for your ego because it's like a, it's like a small child. Because that's when it was born. It doesn't have any more evolution than it, than it had when you were a child. And so love it. 
be grateful for it, thank it, and then say, it's okay. Anytime you go into a room, an audition, a casting, a class, you're meeting new people, you feel anxious, your ego starts freaking out, scared that something from the past is going to happen again. Now, if this feels so familiar, you can just go, hey, hey, I know you're scared. I know you're so afraid that what's happened in the past is going to happen now. I totally get that. That totally makes sense. And I know you want to protect me right now. I totally know you want to protect me. And I'm so grateful for you being there. But we're actually okay. Nothing's even happened yet. We haven't even walked into the room. And when we walk into the room, we're okay. We've, we've, we, we know what we're doing. We've always known what we're doing. It's all good. It's all right. We're okay. Remind it that it's okay. And it will be quiet. Love it. When you love it, it will be quiet. When you love it, it will lose its power over you. It will lose its voice because it won't have a job. When you're not okay, it offers all the solutions. But when you're okay, when you're at peace, when everything's fine, when you're not afraid, when you're not, you know, on the verge of death, when you're not, you know, which it makes you feel like you are, when it feels like it needs to help you survive something, but if there's nothing to survive, it doesn't have a say, it doesn't have a word, it doesn't have a leg to stand on. That's what I want you guys to learn. Learn to love your ego, be grateful for it. If you go to our Instagram page, Inside Out Theory, there will be a series of uh, Instagram TV called Inside Out Exercises. And there is a video there explaining the exercise called Rewrite the Past, which I know sounds crazy. But um, if you go and watch that video, it will explain everything and it will give you an example or an exercise to help you uh, once and for all put down these limited beliefs, stories, and illusions that you created, that your ego created in your past so that you can free yourself to um, live freely from those limitations in the present and into the future. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Inside Out Theory. We are so lucky to have you as a part of our community and very grateful for your support. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to follow us on iTunes and Spotify, join our online community at Inside Out Theory, and share this episode with a member of your tribe. Remember, we are all stronger together. Thank you for listening to the Inside Out Theory. We encourage you to speak authentically, feel openly, and live inside out.